Laugh a Day with Comedy AM founder Cassandra Gordon. We are Laugh a Day. I am from Birmingham. We just um, we had lots of conversations about fit men on the circuit. Um, not sure, but we, we might explore that today. But yeah, I am here with Davina Bentley. That's great. So yes, I am from Birmingham. What well, ish? I had a so it's a bit mixed up. Born in Stoke Trent. You know yeah. what that is? I, I, to be honest, I don't, but I've heard of the it. World of, the world centre of pottery. It, no one cares about that, but it's a world centre like of pottery. pottery. And Robin, Robbie Williams is born I was just going to say, my friend, also Adam Flood, is a comedian. He does really funny stuff. Adam Flood, yeah. He, Adam, I, know, I yeah, like Adam Flood, improv. yeah. He's, we're in a little improv group together. Oh, tell me about that, because Adam Flood, he he's, was on, he's from Comedy AM. He, he's, he, he's gigged there before, so um, yeah, I like Adam a lot. Yeah, he's wicked. He does really funny stuff about Stoke. And uh, he was at my house, we had lunch at mine a few weeks ago and obviously made lots of jokes about the fact he's like northern, which in itself is very funny. So you were born there and then what moved I to Birmingham? I moved to Birmingham, that's where you can hear the accent, and then I moved to Coventry, you can hear a bit of the Coventry, it's a Midlands-ish accent, okay. and then I moved to Liverpool and then I moved to London, I've been here for nine years. Like it? I like London but I don't like paying rent in London. Yeah, okay. I don't like it. I have a love and hate relationship with London. I'm like, oh, London's amazing. I never get bored. I love people. Yeah. I love the mindset of some people. And I'm like, how much for rent? How much for this? Yeah. Look at my paycheck. No disposable income. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting old now. I need to save for retirement. I want a child. I can't have a child. Where are these guys? Yeah, I see that. I see that. You know, when you hit like 30, all these kind of things, and then guys take the piss on Tinder. But this is not but a guys, male brain. But guys could take the piss on Tinder in Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? In, in Manchester and in Leeds, and equally be. What I'm saying is, guys are dicks across the nation, and indeed in all nations. Okay, just you know? just look, there, there's a guy in, in our presence who's like a groupie. I forgot. So what's your name? His name is Charles Nouveau. Thank you for. He's yeah. my hype man. Hype man. He's my flavour flay. I do like men I do sometimes sleep with men so it's all good but we're just we're just talking about men in general so mm-hmm. that's cool um, thank you for coming on much appreciated yeah, so we're just having a, like, a nice chat about the, the circuit about a bit about mental health but about your background you told me you're part of doing our um, fundraiser for Young Minds on 21st of um, November a lot of people who are connected to the NHS and you, you've got a kind of connection. Tell yeah. us about your connection with so the NHS. My dad was a NHS doctor mm-hmm. for his whole career. Like GP or? He was a paediatrician. Mm-hmm. A he, good doctor. He's proper. Ooh. As, as you can tell, there's a lot of atmosphere. I'm a Hackney Down studio, so um, people who know that I, I work here on the weekends and my studio where I'm at is usually super quiet and it's a shared space but the day when I do decide to do podcasting on a Sunday afternoon there's people using hair dryers um, air drying ceramics and there's a guy sewing so um, out of all the days and I better tell you kid you not if they go there tomorrow they won't, won't be there but that's how it cool. is and there'll be people like tap dancing um, I don't know what like doing. maybe shouting in Spanish like very loudly um, people like children crying very dramatically but what you get here <laughs> for your bang, bang for buck on this Laffer Day podcast you get people walking in and out of toilets that's how highbrow we are so watch out for that so, so, you're connected yeah, to the so NHS. my dad was an NHS doctor for years like absolutely adored the NHS he worked at Ealing Hospital mm-hmm. and he loved it and he just like we were a proper NHS family like uh, my dad was just one of those people who was like born to be a doctor and he came to it very late 
he's like he's actually from he's from Clapton. Yeah. He's from quite a gully council estate around the corner. And so he spent years trying to be a doctor. Um, and so yeah, he just he just loved the NHS and um and sort of spent like our Christmas days we'd spend every morning of Christmas in Ealing Hospital and my dad's the other and the other Jewish and Asian doctors would be dressed as Santa because like you know, don't celebrate Christmas. So it was like a big part of our lives. And um, and then they named the ward after him. What? So there's like, a, there was a doctor, I think it's Charlie Chaplin ward now, but it was the Dr. Bentley pediatric ward. It's a massive part Why of our lives. Why is that? Lives. Because he made so much contribution. Because he just like, he was there for 17 years and just like never took a sick day and just like, he just fucking loved it. Um, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? It's too late now. He yeah, very much loved. It's too late. Um, I'm not editing this. So. Yeah, so he's a proper NHS man. And then my sister... Uh, also a doctor what? and she's like my favourite person yeah so she she's like proper NHS hardcore and then uh, and a couple of years ago I think my big thing with the NHS was two years ago my dad died oh gosh I, I was I was, oh, I was sorry, sorry. Um, it's okay I talk about him like he's this sort of angel like all Jewish okay, girls cool. speak about their fathers but um, when he was dying the NHS was like just out of just incredible there are no words and there was a moment where maybe we would have had private healthcare and, and, and we didn't because people are, uh, are bad and um, there was just moments of like maybe possibly going to the 12th floor of, of the Royal Free which is the private floor and actually we, my dad didn't die on the private floor he died on the NHS floor on the oncology ward um, and it was just perfect and they were incredible and we like he died and we all camped for 11 days with like the most incredible nurses and doctors and some of the doctors were so fit and my sister also is a consultant at that hospital what? so it was just like this very poignant um it was just like god the nhs is just the most amazing thing and the care he got was just incredible mm, it was mm. ama- it was just like you could not have paid for better care mm. so yeah like a proper and obviously i'm a narcissist so i don't work in the nhs i dropped out of med school because i'm an idiot what um, you could have had the dream of i would have been the worst doctor because i'm like attention seeking i can't get as my dad said like you can't get out of bed how would you have done an on call like I, I never got that. Like, you doctors have to pull themselves out of you bed. Could go like, like a GP or locum or whatever. I'd still be like, oh my god, stop telling me your problems. Gross. Like, you don't, you don't like, you don't like medicine, or you just don't like. I love science, but like, I'm too so. Like, I'm not a good person. Like, doctors are great people. Like, I, I hero worship Jenna. I'm like, doctors are incredible. Like, and I come from a really hero worshipy doctor family. Like, my parents made me be. They sent me to med school because it was just like what you do. And so, even though that was not cool, being forced to be a doctor and all that stuff, um, like when I meet someone now who's a doctor, I get very fangirly. Like mm. I will date a guy on Tinder who's a doctor who's like not that fit. Do you know what I mean? Like, so if- all the doctors out there, um, this is an NHS theme. Hopefully, you'll be coming. Hopefully, I know Janan and I have done a lot of um, promotion to a lot of medical students or medical people. Um, so you might be in luck on the twenty-first. There you go. Oh, yeah. Like. If you're a doctor and not even that funny or nice, I will still talk to you and be like really nice to you. That's all you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. Like if you know, if you went to med school for six years, you work in the NHS. It's amazing. I don't know. No. No, I say this. Like, no, no, no. I just had a a, a flashback in my head about. I went. Have you ever done speed dating? No, I've never done speed dating. Do it as 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 a laugh, and do it as um, with a group of girls. I went as a stupid person by myself. I didn't realise it, so I went. I was uh, taking it very very seriously, and realised ninety nine percent of people who go speed dating don't take it seriously. They usually do it before a night out. 
got you. And I thought, no, I'm going to meet my destiny. My husband oh, is going to be yeah. there. And all that kind of stuff didn't work out. I didn't realise a lot of people over 30 who are men can't cook. Because that's when I asked, I asked them, like, you can't cook. Anyway, the point is, there, there was a doctor. Yeah. And um, basically, he was just so direct about casual sex. It's like, eh, it was just like, do you want casual sex? So I'm just like, I'm not sure about this. Were you like, I'm a girl. Like a, I'm, you're like a pretty girl. So if you wanted that... You could get that quite easily. And you then, don't really you know, when it was discussing, like, we can have a cuddle afterwards or you can just leave and stuff. And I was like, I didn't... And you're a doctor. And I don't know. So it sounds like he was being quite, like, sort of medical, quite, like, um, uh, procedural and, like, scientific about, like, will we have sex later? Will there be cuddling after? How long will the sex last? Basically. Yeah, no, I, I would not like, be up for that. That also slightly takes the mystery out of the... Um, of the thing that's about to happen. And he lived far. I think he lived like in like Harrow and I live in Hackney and I was like... Were you like, that's a schlep, I'm not... Who, how are we going to deal with this like Uber situation? I don't care how many lives you save, it's yeah. not... So yeah, that's my end of my speed dating career. So that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that reminded me of that. So I'm, what I'm trying to say, maybe not any doctor you should Not go any with. doctor, you're Have right. Have some standards, you're a great girl. I am talking to quite a boring doctor on Hinge. And I feel What's like Hinge, not Hinge is like somebody at a gig last night said it's hipster bumble. I wouldn't say it's hipster bumble. Uh, I think Adam's on it as well. Did Adam, Adam tell me what, it's what? Hipster. It's hipster. But Hinge is not hipster. There's loads of douche like, well, hipster Schmidt, whatever. Like I have issues with that term. Whatever. Um, it, it's like bumble, but you kind of a little bit more of your personality shows because you sort of have questions on it. Um, so I think Adam actually told me about it, and I went on it. And I am talking to a guy, and I definitely think if he weren't a doctor, I would have been like, so I've left. Because he's a doctor, I'm like, oh, okay. You know? Because he's got to be, you know, doctors are smart. Or maybe it's just being a Jew, and Jews hold doctors in such high esteem, even if they're like, you know, Harold Shipman or. <laughs> Oh how, my God, I'll talk how about did we get? You can Sorry. take away. No, no, I, I just, I just love how you Don't take me. Treatment. No, I love how you got me from different directions. How we started about Tinder, mm. how we talk about this, how we talk about dating. Like, I think it's not by force. This conversation is not by force. So you could just talk about anywhere, and I will catch up with you. Thank you. So that's it. But okay. So I probably had too much coffee today. I don't so even I'll... drink coffee. I Do you re- not? No, it reminds me of teacher's breath. So, oh, did all the teachers at your school? Yeah, because I think we were so bad at like every time like. I went to comprehensive and it was a bit challenging, like okay. drinking a lot of and then they come yeah. over you like and I was like, nah. That is such a strong association. Teacher's breath. Really? And you don't want to have teacher's breath. Don't you don't want to be like those teachers. That's extraordinary. So you've got that's like almost like an aversion to coffee. Yeah. Have you ever had it? I've tasted it, but it's not oh it's not God. it's not for me. Oh my god! I am, I'm a tea lady. I've been on tea tea tasting courses. Really? Yeah. I'm a what tea do you drink? Like, what's the best tea? I'm a bit lazy. I, I like herbal tea. Um, black oolong. Yeah. Is my favourite. I don't think I've ever had oolong coffee. Like oh. a tea, I've heard of it. Like I've recently discovered Assam. Assam, yeah. Assam is fit. Really mm. like that. Well, okay. I feel like tea is definitely a thing I could get into. Like I went to a fancy tea shop when I lived in Paris, and um. And they did, you know, the way they like behave around tea, like it's like wine tasting. I could get on board with that. You can get on board with that. I could get on board with that. I can see myself being like a a proper tea person. But I have a debate in my head, which is better, like PG tips or Yorkshire tea. Like I don't, sometimes I can tell the difference, sometimes I can't. That's how tea mad I am. And someone gives like a... I don't like PG tips. We don't PG tips. I don't like PG tips. I like builder's tea, but you know how it's really good builder's tea? M&S. M&S extra strong. So just just for the tea connoisseurs out there, builder's tea is breakfast tea. 
Okay, so breakfast tea, yeah. which is M&S breakfast tea. Their breakfast tea is Why? so strong. Like I met this, I met this like, um, there was this old lady at M&S. She was like this Asian grandma. And she said, I'm very fussed about tea because I'm Indian. And she said, um, someone recommended this tea to me. It was like M&S extra strong. And because she was getting some, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get some. It's like the best tea. But why? Because it's so, it's like builder's tea, but more so. Okay. It's like posh builder's tea and it's really cheap. It's like um, two pounds or something? It's like two quids, but I think it's it's better than, um, it's probably cheaper than PG Tips and Yorkshire tea. Also, Yorkshire tea makes me feel very alienated because I'm not from Yorkshire. You know what? It's probably grown in Kenya. It's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a good point. I was going to say, strong Yorkshire tea. Like, that is true. Made it's probably bollocks. It's probably made in Kenya, to be honest. A, that is a very good point. See, I fell for the whole marketing campaign that's like, Yorkshire, it's so hearty and like, you know, Yorkshire, I suppose is what I should say. Um, yeah, M&S tea, I highly recommend to you. And they've got ones that are blended specially for London water. It's mm-hmm. called like, Lon- it's called hard water tea. Mm-hmm. It is the tits. Tits. It's the tits. Like, honestly, that is some good tea. And just, just to put it out though, because since we have, we're in Hackney Down Studios and we're here, we get random cameos and people. So, like, my partner just won't, just like, with no warning, just behind, trying to not in, in, interrupt us. A big old um, play theatre producer Woo! out here, having five stars for his last play <gasps> yes, yesterday. What was the play? What was the play called? Chocolate Boy. Sweet Like Chocolate, that's an amazing title. Yeah, it's based on the. Like, Music. <gasps> I love really garage music. I'm 35. Where's it? Where's it on at? It's at the Broccoli Jack. It's in South London. South I'm from. I live in Queen's Road, Peckham. So it's around the corner. Perfect. Perfect. Have you got like a flyer or a thing for it? Um, not on me. Get I'll get it from you. Yeah. I love yeah, garage. Oh, amazing! This is what we do. Things just happen. You just you just don't know what's what's happening. Like groupies and stuff like that. Now I want to talk about like. Fit guys on the circuit, but, but you're now, if your boyfriend just walked in. I don't know about that. Can we have like, some kind of code some, like, for fit boy? Yeah, that was a that. very clever comedian. You know who's really clever? Maybe that could be like our code. I <laughs> 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 know he does great jokes. So it's, it's too late now. It's, it's, it's too late. It's, 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 it's all about honesty. So basically, before we got on this podcast, we were talking about uh, who's on the bill, Darren Griffiths. Darren, because he's Jamaican, and that's how Darren. Oh, is that Jamaican. how you say? Is that how that's how Jamaicans were? Because my mum and dad are Jamaican, so like instead of oh, doing really? like like let's not be British and put the e in there, they'll be like Darren. Oh, like, I didn't know that. So that's what, I'm down. He'll be like a lot of people do that, but I bet, I bet his parents will say that like Darren and something like that. Oh, but you know he's from Essex, isn't he? He's from, yeah. He does all his stuff about being like the only black boy in Essex. Yeah, so that's him. So he, I just interviewed him recently, yeah. and um, he he was talking about. Um, He's going to kill me, but I don't business now. Um, he yeah. was talking about how when you go on stage, so you probably don't know, I didn't say that. I probably did tell you I'm a like, retired-ish comedian. Yeah, you said. I don't do as much. And I don't really do black jokes. Obviously, people don't see me because it's a podcast. I am a black woman. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, should I do them? But now I'm like, the black circuit, comedy circuit, is quite lucrative. Oh, man. I'm so, trying to get on it as get the on token it. white girl. Yeah, talking, yeah, do that. Because I'm like... Axel I, I'm like, Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm black, 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 black. That is a like, good circle. So I need to do that. So maybe I'm privileged. I can do both. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is like, uh, usually you talk about the white elephant in the room when you're on stage. Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. black. And you just get out of the way. Or you yeah. might say that you're Jewish. Or you're a woman. Or something. You just you just say it, the, the, thing. Sub, the thing. And he was saying, oh, 
I'm really good looking. So, I, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like that's the elephant in the room. That's the thing he carries around is that he's fit. Like, I'm just going to address that. I'm, I'm really hot. I'm, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing you. I'm putting well you in funny. a bad light, Darren. I love you and you're a really cool guy. But somehow, if I listen to the podcast, what I'm going to um, put out very, very soon, you probably did say that. And basically, no, no, tell a lie. I'm going to uh, paraphrase. Basically saying, people who are good looking of comedian yeah, yeah. not him who said oh I struggle to get girls they said like that's in- inauthentic because you know I hate that I hate that's that what he was like, talking about he's absolutely right there's some guys who's like everyone talks about this who are get mad gash for want of a better word mad gash meaning mad gash that they get they get loads of girls um, and they're like oh my god I don't know how I'm so exactly bad. and it's become a real thing and people and I have a friend who actually is very shy with girls and he doesn't get mad gash and he said I watched that boy on stage who, who's like, you know, chirps to everyone. And he said, you're stealing my life. He's like, not only do you get loads of girls, but you're up there on stage being like, nobody has sex with me. And he's like, that is my life. <laughs> no one has sex with me. And you're stealing, you're stealing like opportunity for my material. Like I, I just started doing a joke about how um, I don't like seeing 23 year old girls being like, oh, my friends are getting married, having kids. And I'm like, bitch, you're 23, shut up, I'm 35. Like don't I say stay in your lane? I don't do my five material, my five minutes about being like a young black gay man. So shut up talking about your friends getting married and having kids. And I think like I think I think you're allowed. I think Darren's point is a valid one, right? And also we did say I don't care if boyfriend here or not. Just being honest, like he said he's good looking. I never said he he was ugly. He's an objectively good looking guy. Objectively good looking guy. And 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 he he has told me. But he is, like, what's weird is if a girl did that, if a girl, because there's loads of pretty girls on the, so if the, if a girl stood up and went, I'm pretty, people would be like, bitch, mm. arrogant bitch, right? Mm, 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 mm. But it's weird, because I've heard him do really good stuff about black guy confidence. It's very, like, have you heard that bit he does? No, no. He, he did it emceeing, it was very good. And I think it was just, like, off the cuff. He was just, like, so I like the addressing, but it's, I don't think a girl could do, do that. A girl couldn't be like, you know, I'm pretty. And, and like guys want to have sex with me because everyone would be like right that would you would be like I don't like this girl yeah, but, what, but, no? but why but why Emmanuel's yeah. shaking his head but why can't we do that why can't we just be like <laughs> embrace our prettiness and like because I think sometimes British mentality is like you know when you like when you said to me oh I like your I, I like, like your leather skirt I'd be like thank you and then people look at me like why should I thank you? Because usually sometimes a British response be like, oh yeah, I just got this one. But you did, yeah. you did do it down. You said, look, oh, it's clever. Damn you it. didn't say thanks. It's she, a she called skirt. me on my, on, on my bullshit. But you but, were but, being but, really English. But usually when people say something, I usually say, oh, thank you. And then people are like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm expecting a, um, a horrible thing to say. Like a denigrating comment. Yeah. But you did, you did do that. Like if you're American, you'd probably be like, thank you. But maybe because you're English, you were like, oh, it's just, it's, it's just clever. It's just clever. <laughs> Rather than being like, much. yeah, this skirt is actually really lovely. I do, I it's do a love great, this It's skirt. a great skirt. Thank you. We've got to take a camera, um, a photo of this. It is so, really yeah. good. So tell me about your medical background. So you are a scientist. So I got a degree only, it sounds impressive, I only did it so my parents would forgive me for quitting med school and disappointing them. Um, I dropped out of med school because I did not want to be a doctor and I was terrible and poorly behaved. I, do you know Akinama Bhutan? Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a really good um, he does, I just did a podcast about it. We, we're going to do like a, buzz, a, a, a buzz. I, I think Akin actually, he doesn't talk about, yes, Akin's very good looking and it's so, like I brought some friends to a gig and I was like, before you come, I know you're just so like elephant in the room, Akin's very handsome and they've all arrived and we're like, your friend's so fit. I was like, I know. 
like maybe don't let him know. So if you want to go to wherever Davina's performing, she brings her fit friends, a fit community. I'll bring my friends them. that will comment on my other friends. Or maybe I just think everyone's fit. Maybe that could be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very objectively handsome, but he just did a podcast uh, about things we lament and regret, and I talked about that. Oops, sorry. Um, but I think, the me- yeah, so I do have a science background. I went to med school and I quit. Um, Where did you do your med school at? I started at St Andrews. Wow. Uh, was that, is that where the Royals go? It was ridiculous. I turned up, like, I'm from London. My parents are from London. My grandparents, like, I'm very much London girl. And I turned up, and, pe- and I, I know that I'm very posh and very privileged and stuff. I went to a really fancy school. And um, I turned up, and I was, like, the not posh girl. Because people were from, like, boarding school. People were like, oh, my God, you're Jewish. Wonderful. I've never met a Jew. I was like, fuck this. Like, people went, it was different culture. Like, people. Did people, sorry, I'm not really in this. I know I lived near Stamford Hill and a different type of Jewish. Yeah, those 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 are. I went to um, Orthodox Jewish training once. Did you? Yeah, because I had to know because I I worked You probably know more about that world than me. And I used to live in Seven Sisters. Really? Yeah, it's so, a different world. Is it, so how did they tell? Is it by your name? How did they... How did no, they, because this is a fake... So, like, my granddad changed a surname in case... Because it should be Davina Abrahams. Yes. But my granddad changed it so we could hide, like, cowards. Um, and also Not like cowards. To make, no, to make life easier. It's, it's self, self-preservation it because you need that. I, I understand that. So that's why when it's like... When I look at you, no offence, like, I am, like, not the Jew, like... The Jew watch, sure. But, but it's looking at you, I'm just like, maybe don't look aesthetically whatever yeah, what yeah. The, the perception of Jewish also the nose job sure helped um, did you? yeah, yeah. Really? oh sorry like, no no it was nice but um, I don't we're just talking about this we're talking about how you're perceived and I think I'm perceived as like Jew 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 but it's really? probably because I, I don't know maybe like I don't know but I don't know like I am not anti-Semitic I just I, I didn't know that's but it I, but I, but <laughs> I just, just want to put it out there because I don't if I I guess it's a thing isn't it because you don't it's like um like with you, like the thing you were saying, you go on stage, you say like, you address the fact you're black. It's I, not I a thing that one but can hide, I, but, but, but you but could, I think, I and think some I comedians should. do. Yeah. Um, but it's not a thing you can ever hide, you can never change your surname. Do you, do you know what I mean? If you change your surname, people wouldn't be like, oh, you're black, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know because your surname's so English. It is, it is, I get that all the time, especially job interviews, like, my name is, my full name is Cassandra Lauren Gordon, I sound like a brand. So it's a really And then they're like, oh, yeah. okay, who's this? And I was like, oh, you know probably a slave name but let's not get into that but nobody would be like oh her parents must be Jamaican no you know, but, whatever. No, exactly but is that your real I don't it's know, my that... so my granddad changed his name from uh, what was he called Reuben Abrahams he changed it I think he was like he owned some like factories he was like some communist guy and he, and he had like a factory in Hackney and he changed it to make apparently working life easier um, and also I think he thought in case the uh, in ca- apparently him and his brother were worried in case there was an invasion and we needed to like hide you don't want to have a Jewish surname so where did, were your family from then? so we all came um, my mum's family came here from Poland mm-hmm. they opened a shop on Hanbury Street in Brick Lane mm-hmm. in like I think 1901 it's now a sushi shop it's next to a pub I go to a lot Golden Heart mm-hmm. they came there and on my dad's side they came over from Russia around the same time and all and my granddad had a barber in Cambridge Heath Road like all just very everyone moved to East London but when you grew up in Ealing uh, no I grew up in Finchley oh, dad Finchley. went to Ealing every day oh, that makes sense um, yeah because it's like and my parents always thought it was so funny that like even yeah they would always when my dad would drop me off to go to Hackney to go to like a party or a friend's house my dad would be like I've spent my whole life trying to get out of here everything I've done is to get you out of this borough and why are we going like why are we going back here why am I driving my daughter to Old Street every Friday 
It's like, no, oh, daddy, gentrification. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it works. So you live, live in Hackney? Uh, no, no, no. Just my school was in the city. Oh. So all my girlfriends lived in like Islington or Hackney, like all the posh English girls. Uh, you know, they had like fancy houses in Islington. Mm. And when we started clubbing, when we were like 13, we'd go to 333 and Old Street. Because wow, we were obnoxious. No, I was 14. I was 14 because oh, I remember okay. going Sorry, sorry about that. Fine. Sorry about that. That's, that's one, fine, one year it? difference. Yeah, yeah, that makes it fine. I remember the guys in the door being like, you're underage, don't drink, ladies. And then letting us all in. Wow. Yeah. My so, mom would not let me go anywhere until I was like 17. My mom used to say to me, oh, Cassandra, I was like, my friends used to go clubbing and pop. Yeah. Why don't let me go to the pub? And she's like, you can have music in, in your bedroom. Aww. And then, mom, what about the atmosphere and the lights? She said, put on the switch on and off. Oh, your mom's That's funny. your disco. Your mom's funny, That's man. your disco yeah, lights. Yeah. And I was just like, no. Mom, it's not the same. It's not the same. Oh. I think your mom's decision was definitely a better. I think my parents were so much old, because they were old parents, because I'm the youngest of four. Mm. By the time they had me, my dad didn't get that maybe like dropping off your child at 3-3 three, three feet of a Friday Maybe this, he just didn't quite get, and equally they can be very like overprotective and shit like sending their daughter to med school mm. is a very strict, overprotective, inappropriate move, I would say. But equally they were kind of cool about, they were cool about stuff like that. They were cool about, um, yeah, I think about some of the stuff me that my best friend growing up lived in Clapton Pond. And the things we used to do, we used to go running around the streets. Hold on one second, I, I can hear lots of like stuff around, so. And I, and I don't want to edit too much. Yeah, boys. So Stop talking, boys. So if you want to talk... If you want to talk, you have to sit is, elsewhere. This is, this is very, very professional. This is life. This is this is very professional podcast. Like, you know, not like we have Ritz and, like, biscuits and all this kind of stuff. Not like there's people moving around and moving as soon as I do this podcast and it was been quiet the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Not like those kind of things. So if you, it's okay. You're only allowed to talk about things if you go, like, rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. You're allowed to do like mutterings that are like atmospheric, but you're not allowed to have conversations. Those are the rules. Sorry, boys. Or unless you want to go over there, or there's, you know, there's like a market outside, or. Okay, cool. Anyway, so once we kind of like told off our, the men and, you know, around, we will go back to it. So, sorry, you. What was your degree again? So, I did my first. So, when I dropped out of med school, I did neuroscience. That neuroscience. was my degree. Great. And then. Yeah, so, so I'm quite sciencey. Like, I like science. I read a lot of neuroscience. And, and that's what you work in? No, I'm a lawyer. What? Um, because I, I wanted my parents to like me and forgive me <laughs> for not being an NHS doctor. So what type of lawyer, lawyer do you do? Um, I'm a litigator. Litigator. I'm a litigator. Yeah, really but good. I've, I've sort of, I'm just a contract lawyer at the moment. Like, I, I'm off. I, I quit being an associate lawyer because I sort of want to try and concentrate on comedy couple of years so I'm just giving it a go and I it probably won't work but I just want to try so, so just I'm trying to get my head around lot so let's get so you live to go I mean my friend Charles is telling me if I'm gonna be a star you're gonna everything's say. gonna be great I'm gonna shine I'm gonna ride on his coattails I'm gonna ride on anyone's coattails who'll have me why um, not? So litigate, litigation, I know we're talking about comedy, so you're the one who work in commercial law and try to get the deals or it's like it's like well big argue like uh, it's big arguments and big fights. If two people take each other to court or in arbitration, if they're having a dispute, I'm a dispute lawyer. So I'll help in that dispute. But the kind of law I do now, luckily, is a bit more chilled. It's still litigation, but it's like nine to five and I can leave. But it means like, I'm not being tracked to be a partner, so I can concentrate on um, trying to be, be funny and make something of the thing that brings me joy, which is comedy. Oh, and do you talk about a bit of your law, your lawyering? Do you know what I don't? Although things 
because I'm at a new firm, I'm at a really fancy firm that is lovely, but things keep coming to me like how funny it is. It's really conservative and like all these girls, it's like a very conservative English firm. I've never really worked anywhere like that. I'm not that sort of uh, city lawyer. And it's so funny, like girls, these poor girls are like 21 and they've got jobs there and they're walking around in like five inch heels and tight dresses. And it's like, this poor girl's got a first from like a fancy university. She has to do her job and also look banging. Like the guys are just walking around. It's, it, there's funny stuff that's like occurring to me, but I generally don't write about law because I always try and keep the law stuff and the comedy stuff separate, separate because I'm always scared about getting in trouble because I'm a public school girl and I don't want to get told off. I don't want to, I don't know, it's, it's a bit silly, but I always feel like I don't want to get in trouble as a solicitor for like making rude jokes about boys on stage. But it's, but it's okay that we can say how much fit people are. In yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't think that contradicts my, um, I hope it doesn't contradict my duty to the court, <laughs> uh, yeah. nor my like duties as a solicitor, but boys are, boys are pretty. Boys can be pretty. Boys can be very, boys very pretty. Boys can be pretty, you know? It's, it's you. a universal truth. So how did you get into the comedy? Uh, it's quite a sad story, oh, but my, when my dad was dying, uh, the dude I had been with for eight years dumped me. Great guy, and so I was like, oh my god, I've lost my parent and basically my husband. And so I was like, life is so sad, but also very funny. Like when my dad was dying, there was so much like laughter. And the nurse, that was it, a nurse said, God, your family, you're always laughing. She said, every time I walk past this room. And it was really funny. Like my sister and my mum and me and my brothers being so funny. There were so many good jokes. Like, um, like well, the day of my dad's funeral, my mum's friend, who's like a real bitch, walked in and went, you will not believe the day I've had. You know this is going public, right? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. My mum like uh, stripped her. She was a toxic person. Okay, but, like, great, okay. That was funny. <laughs> like, that's a really funny thing. Like a person walking in on the day of her best friend's husband's funeral being like, I've had a terrible day. And my mum said, and me? And it was like really funny. And then I kind of thought, well, life is, is really funny and we're going to die and nothing is worth anything. Everyone will leave you and you'll be left in a bin. So you may as well make some really a funny bin. joke. Well, you know, like we're all going to be worm food. Um, so let's make, you guys are looking really worried. <laughs> you may as well make some really funny jokes because we're all going to die alone. Is this news to us? Is this news yeah. to you? Yeah. So let, we may as well like have a nice time and make some jokes and like, and, and do some laughing, you know? Oh, I'm just reflecting. No, it's fine. I'm Sorry. just reflecting on my own life. I, I, I thought I was going to live forever, but now no. it's not happening. It's not true. We're all going to die okay. in bins. So talk about dying. How, yeah. how have you metaphorically died on, on stage? <gasps> oh, um, my worst gigs are Jewish gigs. Looking at Simon Brodkin, big Jewish comedian. Um, Jewish gigs. Oh, yeah, and Aaron Simmons as well. I would say I died at Jew looking at him. He won Jewish Comedian of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. I would say my worst death was Jewish Comedian of the Year two years ago. Why is that? Oh my God, I went on first. Jews do not find me funny. Why is that? Um, because they look at me being like, uh, the, uh, one of the guys judging it is a very fantastic, successful Jewish comedian who gave me a lift home and loads of incredible advice. And he was like, Jewish English audiences are hard. They look at you like, my son Josh is funnier. Go and impress me. Wow. They're, 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 and they, I talk a lot about sex. They hate that. Um, the woman running the competition said she didn't like my stuff, it was too sexual. Uh, uh, she hated me. She's been very explicit with me being like, you talk too much about sex, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear about a woman talking about her vagina. And I was like, well, you're not gonna like me, lady. Um, 
that that was a gig where I died. I died a thousand deaths at that gig. And how did you? And it made me a better comedian. Yeah. So how um, did how did it make you a better comedian? Because you can be very distraught. You can have post traumatic gig stress. Yeah. Um, so how did you lift yourself up? And I think talking to that comedian. So one of the judges after who was like you're too sexual, and and she subsequently has sort of said stop talking about sex which has just made me be like I'll talk more about sex the other comedian the, the guy judging it who's the comedian telling me how to improve and how to gig and to gig more and to write more and to work more at it mm-hmm. just has made me be better and also staring at like 50 conservative Jewish faces with crossed arms made me like a stronger better person and it also made me want to like kill so now kill I, you know, no not kill them sorry okay. I mean like Alright, we're talking about the NHS who we're trying to save, save lives and <laughs> no, it support. Makes, okay. It makes me think, I hope that I could walk into um, a room of those people, maybe now, and storm, not storm it, but get some laughs. Because mm. the next Jewish Comedian of the Year, I made that room laugh. I had so those, there was progress. There was total progress in a year. And those guys, they may have not been the kind of comedian that I would like. Mm-hmm. They probably do think I'm too sexual and too arrogant for a girl and, and, and all these things I am. But they laughed and I made them laugh. And I, was, I didn't get through, which I think is, was wrong. It was totally unequivocally, objectively wrong. Um, I was very funny that day. Um, but I was funny and I made people laugh. So there was growth. Like, it's cheesy, but like the gigs where you bomb, they, they make you, don't they? You don't really. I, right? I, I, I learned how to be funny really quickly after I died twice. Um, the second time I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, because you can't risk being stared at by 20 people who aren't laughing. Mm, mm. It's um, me and Charles, who we were sitting over there, we talked about this. Like, if you can start making rooms laugh, you don't learn. I mean, you, it's great and you get better and stuff, but you don't. L- when a room is really tough and not in the mood to laugh, coaxing them out of their shells, like, I'm not there yet, I can't mm. really do, I've only done it once. But making a room who don't want to laugh, laugh, is like, oh, you're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something, isn't it? It's progress. It's progress. Yeah, it's progress. Yeah. It's, nothing feels better for me when you go back to the gig where you, die, you died at um, later on and mm. you make them laugh because you're like, oh, okay, it's, it's me. It's not you, it's me. Exactly, and you're not like, I, yeah. a French, when I was living in Paris very briefly, I once, I was stroppy and I was like blaming the audience and you never behave that way. And a comedian pulled me aside and she went to Vina. The audience have turned up, they've done their part. And she was right, like you have to be respectful. This is their Saturday night. You're not allowed to strop or be difficult towards them because they don't think you're funny. That's on you, not them. You put yourself on the stage. You're not allowed to be like, that crowd sucked. Mm. What's wrong with that? Okay, even though I did just do all that about the conservative Jews. But generally, <laughs> in a pub with 20 people, that's on you. It's your job to make them laugh. You stood on the stage. Right? This is real, real talk. Real talk being real talk. A, a comedian. So what is your joke writing process? Because for me, it's like, what I, what I usually find work, works well with the audience is when I do my set mm. and I ad lib or I say that after thought. I'm like, oh my god! I spent ages writing the set, but my ad libs are more funny than my actual jokes. Totally. And then I take that and I try yeah. to develop that. So, what is your writing process? Well, I think, like on the thing you just said, I think it's a. Di- I've decided it's a different bit of your brain. The bit when you said that funny, off the cuff thing mm. on stage, some bit of your brain that you cannot engage when you're sitting down. So that stuff is one way totally. Like I record when I'm on stage. Some lines I use now are throwaway lines that I've been like, by the way, can I just say? Um, and then been like, oh, it's a joke. It's a joke that I wrote on the spot. 
but more writing is talking to friends. Really? It's talking to friends who aren't comedians, just friends. How do you do that? Uh, or even like a boy, there was this boy I was seeing, and I t- he was sort of a, a comedy man, and, um, and I'd talk, I'd be like, oh, can I just say something really pissed me off today? And he, as I was talking, he'd be like, this is funny, do this on stage, Davina. And that is the way that I write. Or like, Charles would be like, you know, I talk, talk to a friend. Or oh, actually, it's right, it's my best friend, Alana. She's not a comedian. She's like the funniest person I know. And we'll talk about like, um, we'll talk about like having sex with a boy. And she'll be like, isn't it so funny when you sleep with a boy and you're trying to be like sexy or, you're try- or, or stuff like um, really stupid girl stuff that you say to your best friend. And then being in hysterics and being like, I'm going to do that bit on stage. I wish I had friends to talk to about those stuff. I don't have much friends. But even conversation, isn't it, is it, aren't you funny when you talk to your boyfriend? No. Like, you make her, stop making know. her unfunny. And so, oh, God, life. No, no, I'm just joking. Because I find, like, I'm anti the friends bit. Because when I used to write jokes and show my friends, yeah. because of context... Because um, they're not in a, in a comedy arena, yeah. they don't think it's funny. They all tell me funny. I remember before I did my first gig, um, like my first showcase after my comedy course, and I thought, this is my set. I'll, I'll read it out to you. Did an email. They're like, no, don't like it. Are you sure you want a gig? Are you sure you want to do it? That's helpful. Because they couldn't get it. But when I performed it in a comedy, when there's drinks and there's and the people and the context comedy. of comedy, the jokes landed. So I've learned. Maybe I need to see your friends. Like I've never had very positive feedback when I've shown but I never presented it I didn't say like Alana I have written 12 jokes oh, okay. and I'd like to see them okay. I've never done that I mean more like sitting with your friend and having a cup of tea and being like oh my god it was so funny I saw this um, I was watching this thing on telly this week and blah, blah 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 and then you're like in hysterics with your girlfriend because she's being funny and then you're being funny and like I think showing off to girlfriends is when I'm funniest um, and then that's where the spark of the idea comes like I think it's that, and then I'll go and write it by myself, written. And I think after that, I wouldn't, except for Alana, I wouldn't show it to anyone else okay. because it's because it's so. So no it's about the genesis of starting talking to to your to your friends about ideas, a subject, and then you develop it. And then it's I not, it's, and not, then it's not writing it and then going back. Yeah, that's okay. It's like because my friends would be like, mm. and also I, I I think I'd be too shy. And as you said, there's it's like uh, like I'm a massive Hannibal Buress fan. I've been listening to him all week, so I'm mm. probably thinking about him a lot. He does a great bit about a girl being like, all right, funny man, you're a comedian, tell me a joke. And he's like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. You know, there's no lighting here, we're not on a comedy stage, and there's no context for comedy. But yeah, I'll tell you a joke. Like, it doesn't work. That's why, it's, you know, it's like the thing of, like I, I was saying yesterday, I, was, I came back from a gig, I'd writing on my hand, I said to some boys, were like, there were some boys I didn't know in my house, and they were like, tell us a joke. And I was like, look, if you were a doctor, I wouldn't be like, oh, I've got a rash on my ass." And then they started laughing because one of them was a doctor. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's too fu- it doesn't work to be like, okay, friends, I've written five jokes. Here we go. Because mm-hmm. your friends are not, are not ripe for, for giggling. You know, that's why, I mean, I do it when my friends are laughing anyway because mm-hmm. we're chatting. Um, I think that's the way I like to do it. Okay. Showing off. I've got to ask you, because even when we're raising money for... Young Minds with a mental health charity for young people and children with mental health issues or crisis. Oh, being a teenager is hard. Uh, I remember growing so up in Coventry, it's so hard because people are telling you what to do and you got no autonomy. Like, well, it might work for me anyway. Your teacher's telling you what to do, your mum's telling you what to do. They're like, grow up, do this, do that. But I'm like, I'm 14. I want to do my own stuff. But anyway, no more tears on this podcast. So, um, what's I going to say to you? Like, 
what is good mental health for you? What do you think good mental health is? I think all this stuff, because I'm, I'm 35, I feel like all this, it's definitely a new thing. Mm. This talking about mental health is massive. Mm, mm. Like, in my gen, like, the, when I came up, if you said something like, oh, my, like, um, there's a lot of mental health issues in my family. I've had mental health issues. That was a big thing at medical school. I was like, I would say, I think I was quite unwell. Like, when I left, like, when I was at med school, I'd lost two stone, and I didn't eat, and I was very sad. Um, and I think now that's something I could say, but at the time, you didn't say stuff like that. This is like, this was 15 years ago. You didn't say stuff like, um, I'm really sad, and I need to go to the doctor, because it was embarrassing, and mm. lost the face. So I think talking about it, and the fact that now, I mean, it, as I understand it, there is no money for, like, it's a... There is no money for mental health. We're in a mental health crisis. It's a disaster. The knock-on effects will be going on for 20 years. But at least... And that's all disgusting and hideous. But at least now people say things like, I have mental health issues. One in three people, or whatever the statistic is. One, uh, one in, in four one women. One in four women have mental health issues. Mm. Like, this is a fundamental, inherent part of human existence, is a lot of people will have anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and borderline personality disorder. Or whatever it may be. So just having the honesty out there, you know, without being stigma, you know? Without being stigma, without that thing of... I think, lo- like, loads of the thing is um, the talking about it. Like, I just watched a film uh, which my friend's brother made about suicide. Mm. And it's about a family who lost a brother. Oh, it's gosh. called Evelyn. It's a really beautiful film. It's, it's hard going, but it's beautiful. And um, a lot of it is just about a family who don't talk about the fact their brother died. Because people often don't talk about it. So when, so I think all this, this young people, as I understand it now, say things like, it, it seems to be like they're taught more about mental health at school. Um, whereas in my day, nobody said anything. So I used to be like, oh, you know, uh, my, my brother has stuff and I have stuff. And people would look at you like, they would look at you like you were mad. And, and like, like, I take a small dose of antidepressants every day. Mm-hmm. And I still, even saying that, I was like, this is so embarrassing. People oh think my God, I failed. Stigma, like, stigma, 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 stigma. Mm-hmm. But equally, the other bit of me is like, I wouldn't be able to be a functioning lawyer or even a functioning human if I didn't take mm. that 25 milligrams. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a functioning person. So well, thank you for sharing that, because it's not easy as, you know, you hear this thing. It's, it's not easy to talk about these things. Well, it feels like a loss of... It feels like a... I think a lot of people... Even my, I remember my dad saying once, like, oh, two of my kids are on antidepressants. I feel like I failed. It's mm. like, dad, come on, you're an enic, come on. And then at other times he'd be like, look, if you've, you know, if you've got a broken leg, you've got, if you've got diabetes, you take insulin. If you've got depression, you take your tricyclic or your SSRI. So I think this talking about it and, and not making people feel like a total idiot mm. because mm. they are on antidepressants is, is excellent. Mm. Mm. So I think that's good mental health. And also not working like a dog, I think is the other thing. Not working like a dog. I think, like, um, being a lawyer, there are, there are a lot... Like, in the law firm I'm at, there are mental health posters everywhere because the law firm I'm at has a lot of lawyers working very hard, very long hours. Mm-hmm. I would guess that there is a big culture of mental health issues that are hidden, and that's why I think... Uh, as I understand, professions have high, quite high suicide rates, particularly the medical professional. Is it? I think de- dentist and anaesthetist... I mean, my father telling me this, it's probably different now. Dentists and anaesthetists have had the highest suicide rates uh, because of the access to drugs and also because of the culture of their work. Wow. It makes sense, right? Like, you're, you're a dentist, you're an anaesthetist, your job is hard, you're looking in mouths a day, you're dealing with people. Like, and also, you've got the access to the drugs. Didn't know about this life. Apparently, it's wow. a thing. So I think, I think talking about it... 
talking helps. Talking about I it. guess it does. I guess um, even for me, talking about it to people, it's just really tricky. I had a very tricky time in Coventry, sort of a tricky time in London. Mm. Even getting support is really, really tricky. I'm just like, oh, what does ever really end? Hard. So you've got to find your own thing. I think that's how it happened. I had a really tough time last year. I don't know if you know how Comedy AM started. You know, this is what, what, what you'll be gigging in a couple of weeks is like a, an evening event. So Comedy AM started where I was struggling to get out of bed. And I think what got me out of bed was YouTube videos and memes, right? Comedy YouTube <laughs> yeah. videos and memes, right? Nothing else. Yeah. And it got me out of bed, made me happy. I thought, wow, imagine if I'm magnifying this. I like being around people. People make me happy, depending on what type of person it is. Comedy in the morning before you go to work, that gives me a reason to get out of bed and be yeah. with nice people and have breakfast and eat because I wasn't eating at the time. So I thought, oh, yeah. let's put all that out, and then that's how it, So it's amazing. So I have to it's find good. my own little way yeah. of doing things and it's tricky. I'm not saying it works. It's, I've done this and now I'm amazing. But that's but, an amazing idea. Other people find... will relate. To, a lot, I think a lot of people have not been able. I think I couldn't get out of bed is such a great phrase mm. because I think. I would say at various periods, like uh, medical school when I was sad, mm -hmm. and uh, two years ago, uh, losing my father and my ex, it was that. It was, I can't get out of bed. And like, if you can't get out of bed, you can't do anything. You can't live your life from your bed, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but that's an amazing idea. And I think people will relate to that because there are points, periods to, you know, there are points in, in people's lives where that's how they feel. And getting to work, it can be so stressful, like the commuting, like, oh my God, I hate commuting. I always try to get jobs that are near to me, but somehow jobs are just far. It, it that, is a big thing to muster. Yeah, the energy just to even go on public yeah. transport. I find that so stressful when it's rush hour. I hate it. it but is. you just have to find your own different coping strategies and talking to people about it. And I'm just so happy that you're so honest about where, where you're coming from because a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't have said everyone's, oh, everyone's fine yeah, I'm a great comedian I'm a lawyer well, I'm quite, fine. but like my friend Stephen Trumbull do you know he's marvellous very very funny man he does this great bit uh, it's so good he does a great bit where he goes anyone here on antidepressants and whenever he does it and I told him this a few weeks ago um, some people go like me and I've n I always go like I look around like no not I <laughs> no I have no idea what you're talking about Stephen um, but it's bollocks and um and I, yeah, I mean, it's better. I think it's better to just share the mess, isn't it? Because also, people are like, everything is a okay. Tend to be the people that uh, act out or don't have a great time. And also, it'd be so, it'd be so disingenuous for me to be like, everything's plain sailing. No, it's true. And I'll give you this: not in comedy arena. I do a lot of public speaking. I did a speech about public um, about mental health. And because the way I am, I don't know if you just met and stuff like that, but it's like, oh, she's so confident. I'm no, not, not, not Cassandra. And yeah. only afterwards people are like, oh, that happened, that happened to me. When people start telling you stuff. Yeah. And I feel like if you have a arena to talk about this and take away the stigma, people can feel brave enough or feel confident or have the, to talk about these things. So I feel very passionate about talking to as much people as possible about mental health and having good mental health. So good mental health is just being, I guess, okay and yeah. having the courage to say when you're not okay. Um, self-care self-care is one of the things as well so how do you take care because you're a busy lawyer busy comedian busy life how do you take self-care what do you do for self-care part of the big thing I think one big thing was uh, stepping away from being an associate at a law firm so to me non-lawyer type what does that mean it means like instead of being like I'm Davina and I'm going to be a partner in a law firm a big thing was being like um, no like I need to not 
a big self-care thing was being like, I cannot simultaneously try and be a good lawyer to impress my family and be partner tracked and try and be in a senior associate and simultaneously try and be a good comedian because it makes me happy. So a big part of self-care was being like, I can't do both these things. I need to sleep and not be tired all the time. So changing my job was a massive thing and being a contract lawyer as I am. And um, it's so cheesy, but doing things like I try and run at least once a week. That's good. I am so bad at running, but I love it. Mm. And, um, you know, like you sit for seven hours a day as a lawyer. That is not what we're meant to do just biologically. Like our backs are not built for this. So trying to do yoga every day, which of course I failed to do. But even just like, okay, I know this sounds really lame, but I've just read this amazing book about taking hallucinogens by Michael Pollan. What? It's amazing. It's called How to Change Your Mind. And there's a bit of it. And it's about how taking hallucinogens changes your life. This one woman is like tripping, tripping. And then halfway through tripping, she goes, I've had a revelation. Like, what is it? And she just goes, always remember to stretch. And then she just goes back in her like trip. And I think that stretching and literally, it sounds so lame, but like being loose of body and um, and, like moving, that I think it makes, for me, it makes my mind. Exercise helps. For me, exercise helps. It does. And it's not even about being like, it's not about being uh, perceived to be like thin or a yoga girl or like a girl doing, you know, downward dog in your hot yoga leggings. It's literally about being like, I stretched, I'm in my body, mm-hmm. I'm a human, I'm not like a crunchy robot sitting at a computer thing. That stuff is massive. Mm-hmm. So, and sleeping, I like sleeping. to sleep so all the time. Sleeping is king, yeah, or queen. Definitely. Nothing comes before, except for gigs, mm-hmm. sleeping is the most important thing. Sleep and stretch and gig in. Okay, cool. So before, any advice for people who want to start in comedy? Don't, leave, stop it, there's so many of you and stop. All these young, funny people, just stop, just go away. I'm kidding, I'm semi-kidding. I was looking at her, I'm I was kidding. like, I didn't understand, but she's kidding. Okay, Sorry, so. no, um, it is weird because it, there are so many of us, but um, just gig loads, just gig loads. Gig loads. Gig loads and loads, because it's cheesy, but it's a craft. Um, it's a craft. I know some people have funny burns and are born funny. It's still a craft. So if you want to be a comedian, gig and write and gig and write. Okay. And um and just don't just don't be funnier than me because I'm trying really hard. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be funny. Sorry. No. Just work. Just but work really hard. How is it for women comedians on the scene? On the scene because I don't see many. Do you know? Well, tell like. All right. I'll give you this. So. When I used to watch BBC, yeah. and I used to watch Mock the Week and all that kind of stuff, like, there's no, there's no funny comedians. And then I used to go to, my friend used to live in Edinburgh, so I used to go yeah. to Edinburgh um, Fringe, like, yeah. seven times a month. I'm like, there's so much women. It's, Why are not like you? 60% women in Edinburgh. Why aren't they on Mock the Week? Because, as Catelyn Moran says, which I totally agree with, um, the format of panel shows, I totally agree with this, you may not, the format of panel shows is fundamentally masculine and kind of sex, in my view. It is, I was saying this yesterday to my mate, we were arguing about it, I don't like, I personally don't watch them at the week, I don't like those panel shows. I think the comedians are all funny, but I'm not interested because, like Chelsea Peretti is one of my favorite comedians, she's an American girl. She was on one of those panel shows and she said two lines and they weren't funny because the rest of the show was six men shouting over each other to be the funniest. I don't think it's a very funny format. I think it's very masculine and I think it's really boring. So I'm not interested um, in like, oh, it's a panel show and Sarah Pascoe's in it. They must not be sexist. Like, no, it's fundamental. Like, 
sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm ranting now. Go ahead, go ahead. No, but this like, is this Batman. I, this is... It's a fundamentally masculine format. The men running those shows are not, they are men. So, for instance, uh, Have I Got News For You had Bridget Christie, who's one of my favourite comedians on it. As soon as she came on, a sexist joke was made about her anti-page three girls having their tits out. That, that, I mean, that's so fundamentally sexist. Like, having one girl didn't stop the format being sexist. So, sod that. Sod those formats. They're fundamentally masculine. Um, you know, I, when I was young, Smack the Pony was on telly. Women are funny. Women are the funniest. So, have three women doing a sketch show. Like, I don't want to watch six men trying to like... I don't like going to the pub when my mates are shouting each other down. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm, so I'm, I don't want to watch Mot the Week where it's six men trying to be funnier than each other. Mm, 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 mm. No. Thank you for that. Yeah, so yeah, I always try to get lots of women on gigs, which are um, on like if I do an event and stuff, but sometimes when they don't apply. Sometimes women mm-hmm. like, sometimes I like, I go on like when I'm searching for comedians for the morning comedy, I'm like, can I particularly want women yeah. and people from the LGTB community yeah. or BAME or black and ethnic people to apply? Yeah. I just don't do it. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Or there's, I mean, there's, there's certain Facebook groups like Bossy, it's very Ooh, good for women. Okay. I'll send you the link for Bossy. It's not just comedy, but it's women in like creative. And they'll always be like, hi, I'm a woman and I work in theatre. I'm looking for a monologue that's about this, or I'm looking for. It's, it's good for stuff like that. I want to do that because, yeah, just more women. Women power because women pay to go to these comedy things and so why don't they be representative on or represent on, on stage? That's I really think cool. That's, in my view, and I'm probably sounding mm-hmm. really bitter, I think a lot of women are gatekeepers. Like this, there's one big competition and I keep banging on about this, but when the woman was like, mm, you talk too, talk too much about sex and, and um, so on and I think... You can get some quite old school sexist women who want to see women be funny, but they only want to see them fu- be funny within certain bounds. And um, I'm just not interested in that. I just, I don't think that's artistic or creative or interesting or um, because like women are allowed to be flawed and nuanced the way men are. Mm-hmm. So I'm not interested in like, she's really funny and she's cute. Like we, we shouldn't have to be cute or fit. Mm-hmm. We should just be allowed to be funny and disgusting. On that happy <laughs> note, let us know what you're up to, how do you find you, what what you're doing. Uh, my Instagram is called Davinkles. How do you spell it? Just D at D A V I N K L E S. Davinkles. Um, and my Twitter, which I don't engage with, but I will. Uh, basically, please like my Facebook page. It's uh, Davina Bentley, and I'm going to do a split bullet edit this year with Mo Omar, who's the funniest, uh, funny, beautiful man. And um, yeah, and who's who's beautiful man? I just heard beautiful. Mo Omar, he's a baby, but he's like my comedy husband, child. <laughs> he's my child bride. Mo, I, oh, Mo Omar. Sorry, I know. Yeah, now you he's, said he's, it. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's know, amazing. Yeah. He won New Comedian of the Year last he, year. Is he on your phone? He's on my phone. Okay. He's on my phone, <laughs> which I'm sure his girlfriend really enjoys. Um, yes, uh, please like me on Facebook, and I I, I, I like I like you. <laughs> like you in the universe and especially the fit people out there mm-hmm. fit men and fit doctors fit doctors especially would you go out with a dentist for yeah I love dentists oh no no sorry I just remember what dentists are like okay <laughs> I just... don't want to go out with like a uh, like boring white guy who does golf I don't, not that sort of dentist Probably but if yeah. you're like a nice dentist and you're fun yeah yeah a physiotherapist how, how, how definitely. far definitely I've got a messed up back 
I would date a physiotherapist in a second. That's fit. We're calling it. This is how we get dates in this club. I'm excluded. Obviously, we talk sure. about fit men all the time, but obviously, my partner's here and I can't say anything. So, yeah, I can't say anything. Okay, so we're just on a segue. Um, on the 21st of November, on the bill, um, raising money for Young Minds, celebrating the NHS. Thank you for telling me about your story about your dad and everyone and your mm-hmm. family. Uh, I just feel the NHS is such an important thing of this country. I just feel very passionate about it, even though I'm very British. And every time I have to wait for a GP appointment, I cuss. But after when I have the GP appointment, I'm like, you're like, you. God, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, yes, we're very lucky. We're very lucky. So thank you for having me. It was yeah, lovely. Thanks for letting me prattle on. Nora and hopefully Janine will be here soon. Um, give in our thoughts to be more well. Okay then. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.